Well, we have nine more holes to go, so how about you two fellas follow me to the 10th tee? On to the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of Hall of Famer Billy Casper. Two players down the middle on the 10th hole. Here's Brian and Bob. And we're brought to you in part by Zion's Bank. Zion's Bank is for you. Welcome into the Back Nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio. I'm Brian Taylor. He's Bob Casper. Great to be with you. We have a fun hour planned for you here on the Back Nine. You just heard from Jeff Rude as we went to break there at the top of the hour. And I always love bringing Jeff back. Look, this is a guy that's covered, as he said, over 100 major championships. He's been out on the tour or was out on the tour for a very long time. So why not bring him back, help him have a voice, get some context and perspective, right? I love that kind of stuff. Well, when we were done with that interview, it continued for a while. It just kept rolling. And I thought, you know what? We're going to repurpose some of this. So some of the things that's kind of cool about today's podcast and what makes it kind of interesting is this sort of unfiltered behind the scenes discussions around the game of golf. So it turned into this interview to just Bob, Jeff, and me talking golf. And it was relative to the conversation that we have. And so we're going to replay some of that for you. Plus we're going to welcome in America's favorite caddy coming up uh, here on the back nine hour number two of the show. And he's going to talk a little bit about the bear trap as well. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. We are now away from the West Coast and we're we're to Florida, which means we're getting that much closer to the Players Championship and the Masters. This is a great time of year. We're starting to see some great weather and all that kind of thing now that we've moved away from the West Coast and it's going to be fun to watch the golf as it continues on. Yeah, well, it is unfortunate that the weather that we had, but um yeah, hey, how about Jake Knapp's win? I know you were overseas. But did yeah. you get a chance to see what Jake Knapp did last week? I mean, that was pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I, I, I under, I saw what he was able to do, and I saw that he won the golf tournament. But I, you know, uh, on a a broadcast or whatever, yeah. I wasn't able to watch it. But yeah, it was awesome to see him win and to see where he's come from from being a security guard, yeah, to becoming a a guy that goes on tour and wins a golf tournament on the PGA tour. Look, the, the guy was a bouncer a couple of years ago, made it yeah. through corn Ferry, got his PGA tour card. And in his ninth start gets the dub. He's got such a smooth swing. He's got a little John Daly in him a little bit with the mullet and whatnot, yep. but a great story with his grandpa and his legacy who has just recently passed away. I think that guy is somebody that you can root for. And like Nick Dunlap, a new winner yep. out here on the PGA tour. We're going to get into it all next more with Jeff Root as well, right here on real golf radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back into the show. It's brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort in St. George, Utah. Check out blackdesertresort.com. Find out about the all-new Tom Weiskopf Championship Design Golf Course. The Resort Center Hotel that's going up with its 25,000 square feet of convention and meeting space. The 15,000 square foot specialty spa, which is going to be amazing. The restaurants that are going to be inside there. The pools. The activity center, everything that's going to be available, of course, there's going to be a pickleball facility, a water park. I mean, it goes on and on. And the PGA Tour is coming for a FedEx Cup fall event this October the 10th through the 13th. Find out about exclusive real estate opportunities at blackdesertresort.com. That's blackdesertresort.com. And I'll tell you what, I've had a chance to be down there for the last few weeks. 
units are selling quickly. There's not very many multiple bedroom units left. So if that's something that you're interested in, you should definitely go to blackdesertresort.com, sign up for that information as soon as possible. But it is certainly impressive and uh, I'm anxious for every one of our listeners to have a chance to play that golf course. Truly is something special. Jeff Rude joined us in hour number one and we continued that conversation with him after the official interview but some of that stuff was too good to not keep talking about. And so we kind of edited some of the best stuff down and wanted to hit it because it's topical. Here's the second part of our conversation with Jeff Rude. White stuff was a great interview. I mean, particularly after you got done playing, you don't want to interview him after you shot 78. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite quote about white stuff ever, um, and I, I, I never, I don't think I wrote it, um, uh, but I've told the story many times that um, uh, Bruce Whiskey, who was my favorite tour player of all time, uh, you know, I was, he and I were talking in Naples about 16 years ago. I was down there doing a bunch of hate to be rude videos at a senior, the senior tournament there. And I was telling Bruce about when I broke into golf riding in the late seventies of how I used to have to wear, wear a, a yellow hard hat because I mean, Bob, you know, you, you, you know, these guys, your dad, played yeah. uh, against a lot of these guys and uh, and they, and they were they 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 a lot of them were, were tough hombres Dave and so I would I, I would rattle off you know why I would have to yell I'm talking to Litsky and I go yeah I would have hear I tell these kids now who are breaking in um you know I had to deal with like Dave Hill and, and Litsky like turned his head put his hands over his face oh no and 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 then I said Raymond and Lanny oh no JC Snead oh no Leonard Thompson, oh, my God. And then uh, uh, Tom Weissel, oh, and, and Litsky stopped and he goes, let me tell you about Weissel. He goes, uh, when I, I played a lot of golf with Weissel, and on the first tee, I felt like I was playing with the most charming man alive. By the time we got to the 10th tee, I thought like I was playing with a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I love talking golf with him. You know, I did a column on him maybe my last year golf week, uh, 2014 maybe, uh, where he talked about his alcoholism and how he quit, you know, when the new year, when the new century rolled in, you know, at the beginning of 2000. And um, he did it so, you know, we could try to help people who might have a problem with alcohol and or, you know, around the edge. And he was fantastic. Um, but, a, but a very candid guy, I, you know, and, uh, uh, I think it was 19 years ago. And, and this is the, Bob, tell me if, tell me if this, if you felt this with your dad at all. Um, the, the one thing that I've noticed with, uh, uh, top players, uh, like your dad, Weisskopf, whoever, that when they fall out of the spotlight, they like to be remembered. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, I walked the Ryder Cup with Trevino at Medina in 2012 and he had his kid there and he said to me, this is great that my kid can see how these fans relate to me. I've had, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Lanny used to tell me, uh, you know, my boys don't know that I'm a big time player. So it's kind of cool for them to see, you know, that as they, you know, as they, as they grew up. Um, yeah. I call White Stuff up. So I did this piece in 05 for Golf Week called uh, Guys Who Had One Arm in the Green Jacket. You know, guys who, who, who almost had it and then didn't have it. Uh, Scott Hope, 
uh, Hubert Green, Ed Smead, Weisskopf second four times. Uh, Johnny Miller. You know, uh, yeah, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. You know, Lanny finished the shot back when he, when he backhanded a little putt on nine and, and missed. So I think I had him in there. But So I called up Weisskopf. I tracked him down. And where did he go? Idaho, Montana. Montana. One of those places. Yeah, Montana. And uh, he was, you know, and I thought, you know, I'm talking to these guys uh, about one of the most painful times of their golf career, okay, of blowing a Masters or almost winning a Masters or regret not winning. And so I called Weisskopf, and he was fantastic. He would go, oh, yeah, 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 this, that. And at the end, I just, I'll never forget what he said to me. He goes, hey, thanks for calling Thanks for remembering me. Mm. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks for remembering me. And, and so that was a that was a really sober moment for me to get into the psyche of of, of, of the former great golf champion who no longer was. Uh, you know, I did a, I did an interview with Mickey Mantle that AP it ran in maybe four hundred newspapers. This is in seventy eight. He came to Jacksonville to the minor league, and he said. He said he still has recurring dreams about playing in the big leagues. There are like three mm. different ones. And he, he said, I missed the spotlight and all the adulation. So there, there is that. So my question to you, Bob, is did you ever feel that your dad missed the, the limelight? You know, um, I think he did a little bit. But as he aged more and more, he realized that he wasn't he wasn't even sniffing the player that he used to be when he was right in the middle of the limelight. So, I mean, it was tough for me to get him to go out and play a round of golf with me. Yes. But let me me help answer that question for you. When I caddied for him, when I caddied for him in this final masters and we went and yeah. And, and he shot 106 and Uh, I remember that. Yep. And, and then we, he sat there and talked to the media for an hour and a half or something right there behind 18. When I, I, you were there. I, I, re, I remember there. I was, I was in the middle of that interview. Yep. Yeah. And then when we walked to the car and I put his clubs in the trunk right in front of the clubhouse there in the circle, he says to me, he said, you know, he said, I got more attention for that one round of golf than I got on <laughs> all of my 51 wins on tour. So I would answer your question. I know what Bob's saying. His dad didn't play yeah. a lot of golf, but I would I would glean from that comment that he did, and he appreciated yeah. mm-hmm. the chance to be remembered in that moment. So I would agree with yeah. you. Very, and you know what? To bring it full circle, I think these young guys that are over at Live, they're feeling that way too early. That's what we started with. I think they're feeling they're out of the spotlight. They're becoming irrelevant in a lot of ways. They have all the money, but they miss the spotlight. And I think they're doing it's way too early in their career. So that's what I think. Well, that, you know, that's a beautiful tie back by you to, to bring that back to that. It, it, you know, it, 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 you know, I mean, how much money do you, do you really want to play in anonymity, you know, or yeah. it would be, uh, you know, in 10 years, it'll, well, who knows what's going to happen if there's going to be some sort of merger and, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. So, by the way, your dad, I thought, Bob, I thought he was a great, imbe- again, I didn't cover him. You know, I, he was playing out there in 74 when I caddied. Uh, but I did, But later, when I was at Golf Week and would run into him, it was always a real enjoyable connection. And yeah. um, I thought he was a real good Im- ambassador in his, in his senior years. 
I love that he left off talking about your dad right there, Bob. Really, really something special. And you know, the, the thing that also reminds me, do you know your, how your dad used to just love to sit in his green jacket behind the clubhouse oh, yeah. at Augusta? And everybody that wanted to talk to him, he went up and talked to them, and they gave hugs and took pictures. I think that's that's one of the most beautiful things that Augusta does for these champions is gives them that lifetime honor of being there and being honored as a past champion. Well, and, you know, we've been talking about relevancy and keeping that relevancy active and going. And that's what the PGA Tour has done is it's allowed the players to be relevant and to make their way in history. And that's what important about or the difference between the two as far as the tour is concerned. Yeah, you're probably not going back to a, a live event and having people be uh, talking about how great it is to remember the, back in the day when you won this or you won that. But anyway, yep. nevertheless, let's. Uh, we're going to talk more about this subject and the topic as we continue. But thanks again to Jeff Rood. Great stuff. Stay tuned. More of the show coming up next. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Welcome back to Real Golf Radio, brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort in St. George, Utah. Check out blackdesertresort.com, site of the 2024 Black Desert Championship, part of the FedEx Cup Fall Series this year, featuring the all-new championship Tom Weiskopf design golf course. This thing is phenomenal. There's been some new tortees that have been put in there, and you have the opportunity to go play it right now. Later this summer, the Resort Center Hotel will open up, along with all of the amenities inside including the 15,000 square foot spa, the basalt steakhouse, the Latitudes restaurant, the owner's lounge, uh, the 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space, the spacious pro shop. This thing's amazing. Wait till you see how huge this thing is. Well, there's going to be some serious merchandise for sale in there. And then, of course, there's going to be a pickleball facility, a water park, all of the residential villages, and you can own your part of it by going to blackdesertresort.com. Find out about the exclusive real estate opportunities that are still available. Essentially, uh, people have asked about it. Is it. When does it go private? It's, not ne- it's, it's never going, quote, private. What it is going to be is what you would call maybe resort private or a a resort daily fee with preference given to owners and guests that are staying at the resort. So uh, if you want access to the golf course, you're pretty much going to have to own property or be a guest staying. I just think the demand on the golf course will be such that those are going to be the ways that you access it. So private, no, not in the sense of a private club where you have to be a member, but essentially you have to be part of either staying there or owning if you want access. So uh, certainly a good opportunity to get in now, blackdesertresort.com where you can uh, request more information on that. Oh, so, okay. Uh, Thanks again to Jeff Rude. Again, hope you enjoyed that. I loved how he opened up and shared some of the thoughts about Mickey Mantle, how he still longed for the the big stage. And I think the way that all dovetailed, he talked about Tom Weiskopf and some of the other players. He asked you about your dad. I know what you were saying. Your dad knew that there was more to life than the spotlight and the stage. And he was a pretty humble guy and he spent a lot of time with his family and so forth. But seeing him there at the Masters and the way that they embraced him, and the way he so enjoyed that, it was something that, you know, more than anyone that he looked forward to every single year. So I love that. And I do think that these players appreciate the kind of spotlight and, and, and stage and, and uh, uh, attention that they get for playing good golf on those big stages. And there's no way you can replicate that in a startup. I mean, looking at no. 
Anthony Kim coming back. I mean, this guy played in the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup. This guy was, I mean, he, he had a cult following. And yeah. you see him teeing off to like a, a smattering of a of applause. I mean, it was like as if no one was there. Now they're over in Jeddah or whatever. So it's a long ways away, but um, it's, it's just not the same. And so I think when you're seeing and hearing the comments of these players feeling somewhat irrelevancy starting to set in because they're tumbling down the world golf rankings, I think that is something they shouldn't be feeling at this stage of their career, but is somewhat of a consequence for their decisions to going to, to essentially a startup. Well, and that, and you know, you, you were talking about the masters too. Um, that's, what's really cool about Augusta. They honor their champions. Mm -hmm. Their champions are always relevant. They're always a part of the week and the masters. They have a champion's dinner. Um, and the best players in the game have all won at Augusta. And so to be able to be relevant, to be able to wear that green jacket around the week that you're there, um, to be able to talk with people and have people come up to you and be excited to take pictures with you and that kind of thing. Those are the things that those, what those guys love. And those are the things that those guys that are playing on, on, in the live golf league are missing out. Speaking of, uh, the appeal of the green jacket, Rory was asked about how much longer, well, you can hear the question and answer here from Rory earlier this week in his presser at the Cognizant in, in Florida. You know, I've been a pro, I turned pro in 07. So was this my 17th year? Um, you know, another 17, I'll be 51. Yeah, I'd say I'm pretty close to the turn at this point, if not a little bit after. Maybe maybe on the 10th green or 11th tee. Do you think you can sustain the same hunger for the next 17 years? Uh, no. For the next 17, no. I'd say for the next 10, absolutely. But 17 seems like a stretch. That's kind of the goal, 10 more good years? Yeah. Yeah. Or a green jacket and just walk away. Karen. <laughs> or a green jacket and just walk away. Just I drop that. that one at the end. I love that. You know, you'd be one of uh, six guys in history to complete that career grand slam. You know, you've got uh, Gene Saracen, Ben Hogan, Arnold Palmer, Jack, or Gary Player, excuse me, not Palmer. He, he lacked by one. Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. Tiger's done it a couple of times. Jack's done it a couple of times. And, um, that's a huge milestone in the history of the game. And for Rory to be able to accomplish that, should he get the Masters, which I would love to see him do it this year, um, then, uh, yeah, if you want to, you can ride off into the sunset. He wouldn't do that, though. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, as much as he says that, and probably if at any point in time in professional golf you could get worn out by all the goings-on outside the ropes, it would be now. Right, you heard Jeff Rude um, talk a little bit about the um, how he's never had l less interest in the professional game, right. given all the stuff right. that's going on. I think it's wearing everybody out. But uh, but yeah, he, so I don't I don't think he does. If he wins this year, if he wins in in six weeks, I don't think he's walking away from the game. Nevertheless, no, uh, I love what he said. He would definitely walk uh, walk away in immortality. To your point, having yes. been one of now seven, if you were to do it, to have completed the career Grand Slam. Here's what uh, he had to say. A lot of people questioning and, and writing about whether or not Rory would, would go to live golf, as his former manager, Chubby Chandler, suggested. And, and here's that question and response. I'm wondering the last time you spoke to Chubby Chandler and what, <laughs> and what do you think motivated him to say what he said other than making headlines? I think he's writing a book. 
Um, so there's, there is that. Uh, I spoke to Chubby. I might have saw him in the Middle East, actually, at the start of the year. So you never know. He might know a few things. Who knows? <laughs> well, he started by saying there's a good chance you'd go to live, and then he's, at the end it was 10%. So is, is, is there a percentage that he's... Somewhere in the middle, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> So he's laughing all the way around wrong. You know, it's somewhere between, you know, his good chance and 10%. And, and he said somewhere in the he was drinking water. He was smirking the whole way and, and laughing it off. I don't take it seriously. Look, here, here's my take. Rory has said in the past that if Live Golf were the only tour available to play, he would quit. Yep. That's stronger than John Rahm saying, I don't think it's real golf. Um, I've decided I'm, I'm good. Well, I have plenty of money, yada, yada, yada. And then choosing to take the money. That's not that. I, it seems that his riff with Greg Norman is stronger than just this PGA versus live thing. I don't see him at this point going and working essentially for Greg Norman. You know, and you talked about John Rahm um, and you mentioned John Rahm just a second ago. John Rom had some answers to some questions this this week regarding why he went, and I, you know, it all came down when we started talking about it when John John Rom left. He's hedging his bet that the PIF is going to work out an agreement with the PGA Tour, and that he's going to have the ability to go back. I I even spoke with Peter Cowan, who is uh, not Peter, excuse me, Ben Cowan, who is the chief tournament business officer. He handles all the um, the golf events for the DP World Tour. I had dinner with him basically there in Morocco, and he feels that before Augusta, there will be some type of an agreement in part to uh, – to rectify the situation in the split of golf. So really? I thought that Before was kind the of Masters. interesting as well. Before the Masters, yes. By the end of the month. Uh, I mean, that seems awful fast. Yep. Given Lots where they seem between now and then. Yeah, given to where they seem to be at the moment. Right. Wow, that's some interesting stuff there. So you, you talk to a guy that's probably in the know and suggests that a deal is imminent, huh? Yeah, and and they were floored by Rom making the jump, and uh, and basically leaving the current status of professional golf on the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Interesting. Wow. Yep. Okay. Because I asked him specifically, I said, "Do you think something's going to be done before the for Augusta and the Masters?" And he goes, "He goes, yeah, I think something in part will be done and figured out by then." I would say that's somewhat breaking news. Yeah. Uh, by you. Uh, so, yeah. Well, look, the one thing that I think we can all agree on, and Rory has said that, you know, getting all the best players on the same, you know, in, uh, the same schedule, playing in the same events more often is best for the game of golf. And to Jeff Rude's point, the fact that he's, you know, weary, if you will, I think fan yeah. weariness through this whole process is is real. And it's something that has is, is, is been bad. I mean, they talked about the ratings for the recent match between, mm-hmm. you know, Rory and Homa and, and Rose and Lexi. And, I, you know, it made me sad because I wanted, I hope those kind of events will continue and they'll do well. But I think they did a bad job of promoting that event. I didn't even really know about it until a couple of days before. Yeah. And I think that's what Jeff Rude said. He didn't know about it until it was in the middle of it. And so yeah. uh, there was a little bit less build up to it and, I don't know. I think it also maybe is a little bit of, of viewer fatigue. I'll tell you what, if somehow the Masters ratings are down in any way, 
that's going to be telling as to where the fans currently stand. I I'm, I wouldn't bet on that. I think there'll be all-time high ratings. I agree. But that's because it's the Masters. Hey, when we come back, it's America's favorite caddy right here on Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio, Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, and, of course, America's favorite caddy. There are bag rats. And then there are caddies. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is, the caddy on Real Golf Radio. Can't ever get tired of hearing that, right? And we welcome in America's favorite caddy. What's up, caddy? Yeah, that that if that doesn't pump you up and get your day going, I don't know what does. That's a a great theme song did i ever send this to you like did you make this your ringtone i can either confirm to deny Mm. the uh phone number that you could call to (laughs) discern that oh man can you imagine if you're if you're just uh sitting there with a group of people and all of a sudden your phone rings and it sounds something like there are bag rats i mean that would be pretty cool right yeah, that, that'd be a highly downloaded ringtone if it was one. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So, Caddy, we were just looking at Nick Dunlap in the middle of his second round. You know, that's a, there's starts, and then there's birdie, bogey, eagle, par, par, eagle, as in hole-in-one on the seventh. That That's pretty good. You know, there's some been some low numbers. Not only just Nick Dunlap, he's charging a shot back as we speak, but... There's been some low scores out there. I didn't think the bear trap was supposed to give up 66s and 65s and that kind of thing. So the physical change to the course, the fairways are a little wider. Now the rough is down, according to my intel. The rough is down. Mm. So it, it, it goes back to the same old story, though, and I haven't watched it yet, but you know what it is. If, it's, if the greens are holding... That place relies a lot on the wind, right? It's a condition-driven yeah. scoring golf course. And and so, yeah, but they softened it up as in widening the fairways a little bit, letting the rough down. Number 10 is now a par 5. It's about 20 yards longer than it was a, as a par 4. So that's going to make the red numbers four shots different than last year when it's not too much different a hole. So it's kind of like, okay, if, you know, if 14 under one, it would have been 18 now so i i'm gonna guess that the gent kindler gentler pga national idea was look i think some guys don't play there because they don't want to get beat up Mm. it was a i mean it was always one of the toughest courses on tour and the wind can really blow there and it's really tough when it blows through that bear trap it's hard enough as it is but man so condition specific that is the that's the thing. It's always condition specific. So talk about the bear trap. Talk about what makes those holes really difficult. Well, the the number one thing is, is when you have a left to right green with trouble on the right, think of 12 at Augusta, think of 14 at Mirafield Village. And that the, that describes the two par threes in the bear trap. Um, for a right-handed good player, which most tour players are, um, the pull hook is the miss. And when you pull hook it, it goes long left 
and that's definitely missing the green, and now it's over the green and a hard place to get it up and down from, which are those two bunkers or the hill on 17. And if you float it, it's going right in the water. So it's just that it's a much easier hole for a left-hander, just like 12 at Augusta is and 14. It's a hard shot. When you have a lofted iron going to the left to right green and you got a hazard short right, that is a, that's a prescription for high scores on a short hole. And you can go to 10 at Riviera for the same idea. Same thing. So that's just the design. That's the number one thing is that is a difficult design for a lofted club. And then you throw the wind in and it makes it that much harder. So there you go. Okay. Breaking down the bear trap right there. America's favorite caddy. I like it. Yep. Hey, so do you want to, you want to get into the topics of the day that we're hitting? Topics of the day. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a game show. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, it is kind of a game show. Well, it seems like it's turning into one. But here's the thing is it is this has been a week of live players and and their, their in, increasing grievances that seem to be coming to a head. Whining. So we've got Taylor Gooch suggesting that if Rory McIlroy were to win the Masters and the Career Grand Slam that there ought to be an asterisk, which – Actually, Rory handled the situation, I thought, really, really well. And then there's Bryson DeChambeau saying, they can't keep us out. And if the players stop playing, what, what, who, what's going to be left of golf? And Ian Poulter says, look, the way they treated me, they didn't want me a part of this, and I don't want any part of the Ryder Cup. I mean, it just is kind of a... It, and, and we ended up with an interesting conversation with Jeff Rude that talked about relevance and how he interviewed some of these old players that used to be greats, and they were old now, and how and he, he referenced Tom Weiskopf, who to- thanked him for, for calling to talk to him and remembering him. This was uh, several years ago. And he said it really kind of resonated with him that these players kind of missed the spotlight. And it seems like the players, and we talked about this two years ago when all this was going down, regardless of how much money they're making on live, they're short on spotlight. They're short on the stage, and they are kind of feeling those same feelings that maybe Weisskopf and some of the other guys were feeling, but way too early in their career. I don't know. What's your, what's your thoughts on some of that? 100% in agreement with that idea. Absolutely. 100%. I don't understand. Um, J- I think JT had a good way of describing why he wasn't interested in the lives. He said, basically, look, I like my life. I got a ton of money. I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. And I just want to compete and I want to compete on the tour and I want to compete. And, you know, I, I don't, I, 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 I don't understand it. Um, when they say, Oh, well, I need to think about my family. Okay. So you've got people with $50 million net worth basically telling me, but I'm a failed individual because I'm never going to make that much money and I can't take care of my family unless I make more than $50 million. I mean, I, so you can throw the money part right out the window because everybody going there has a ton of money. I mean, you know, you, you can always argue, well, how much do you need? Right. Okay. Well, you don't need very much. You get shelter and food and taking care of some things. But so I, I just, I don't get it. Everybody's got their own mindset though. They, we're in a free country. So why you, why you choose to go from freedom to being told what to do? I, I wouldn't do that. If I'm a, if I'm a high profile golfer, who's going to get a hundred million dollar contract, 
that means, number one, I'm worth a lot of money anyway. Number two, I get to make my own schedule playing the PGA Tour. I have complete freedom. Why would I give that up? Now I got to play when and where someone tells me to play, period, period. I don't, there's, there's, there's no freedom. Why am I giving all that up? And I, I don't know. I definitely have a, uh, I definitely have a, <laughs> an opinion on this. Um, but yeah, giving up, giving up, um, that's what's fun. One of the fun things about playing tournaments is, getting the crowd into it and, and all that part and, and being on the stage. I think everybody likes being on the stage. Even, even the introverts like a Ben Hogan, he probably liked being on the stage. Yeah. Why else, why else is he out there playing? I mean, that's what it's all about. So I think you have a good point. I feel like, man, if I'm Taylor Gooch, I'm sitting there going, cause Taylor Gooch is good. And he was getting good on the tour. He's getting real good. And might Taylor Gooch have won five majors? I don't know. We'll never know. We'll yeah. never know. Might he have won 10 or 15 tour events? Maybe. Probably. We'll never know. That You know, and, I don't know that I'd want to give that up. Because, look, if I'm that good and I'm successful, I'm making a ton of money anyway. Yeah. On the tour. Yeah. So, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. You know, and Taylor Gooch, um, you know, Rocco Media came out and said, you know, for, for Taylor to make the comments regarding Rory and an asterisk if he wins, because not all the best players are there, but all the best players that have gone to live, you know, the ones that are, are Masters champions are all playing in the Masters, and the ones that have won recently majors are all playing in the majors. Um, it, it's only him that's not playing so to speak. Um, the other thing is um, Rocco Media came out and said, wait a second, you got the guy that was the number one player last year on live, and he's not even in the majors. He said, first of all, that's an embarrassment. And second of all, you know, be quiet. Don't, you've won once on the PGA Tour. Where's your relevancy? And, and what makes you think that you can make comments about you know, the, that the majors need to change and, and make the top 12 on the PGA Tour exempt to be playing in all the majors, or not the PGA Tour, live tour, exempt to be playing in all the majors. Taylor's had some interesting comments. I think the very first event, he was standing there in an interview with DJ and Patrick Reed and going on and on about, it. I've never been at a Ryder Cup, but it, it can't be this good. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just like, I mean, at that point in time, I mean, I mean, DJ had to turn away because he was starting to laugh when he said, you, you know, maybe uh, just as some counseling here, I'd say maybe don't keep making these comments anymore. <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> just a thought. Um, That's true. He compared that Live Golf event to the Ryder Cup atmosphere, the atmosphere at Live to the Ryder Cup. So the fact that he already has made that statement probably disqualifies him from making future statements. That's probably what, that's that's kind of the way we should look at Taylor Gooch going forward. So I'm searching for any more Taylor Gooch comments because they're quite entertaining. But that's not. You know, keep it up. Let's go. Wait, I can't wait for the next one. So Bryson DeChambeau also in a podcast with Jerry Foltz was talking about the official world golf rankings and how that the system is broken. Basically, he he's essentially saying that the system 
is broken because it doesn't accommodate them. Um, I think I've got that. I think I've got that quote here. Hang on a sec. I'll play this for you. So see if I can produce on the fly here. All right. So, so here's what Bryson had to say about the, the official world golf rankings. They say, Oh, they haven't done said one thing or the other, not doing anything is, is deciding. And that's frustrating. You know, they um, said you need certain requirements. We have fulfilled all those requirements despite what everybody thinks. If you go look at their handbook, we have fulfilled every single uh, criteria. It's been over two years now. What's going on, guys? Uh, I guess I don't have their handbook here, but uh, let's see. The, the, the lack of kind of in and out entry to the, the 54 holes, the no cuts, uh yeah, I don't think they've quite fulfilled all the requirements for the official world golf ranking. And here, here's the thing that comes with it is they, somebody decides to start something new and then the whole system around the game is suddenly wrong or outdated or needs to be fixed just because someone else decides to do something else. I'm all for these guys wanting to do whatever they want to do. Go do it. Have at it. But don't now think that the rest of the system and how the game of golf is should change to accommodate whatever thing you decide to go out and start. That's the that's the part I have the problem with. Well, there are just people who have certain attitudes of entitlement in this world. And the players made a decision, knowing what the current situation was, knowing where things stood, it didn't take a rocket scientist to understand that they're probably not going to get world golf ranking points. And so again, this is what you give up for more money in your bank account. It's that simple. And you can moan and groan about it all you want, but I'm never going to cry for anybody who flies around on their own private jet and who chose to remove themselves from competitive golf. That it's nobody forced these guys to retire from competitive golf, essentially. And that's their choice. And so you can go ahead and moan and groan about it. And, you know, look, I I believe, and who, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to see all the best players in the world playing together in as many events together as possible? That's, mm-hmm. that's fun. I want to see Bryson DeChambeau playing in an event in a competitive golf tournament. I want to see DJ playing. I'd like to see Taylor Gooch playing. They're all really good players. The problem we have is at this point in time is as we go along, how do you determine who the good players really are a year or two from now? Are they still really that good? I mean, I would think they are, but the only, the only barometer we have now and the only barometer we really ever have, it's head-to-head competition when everybody's involved. Yes. Where does that happen? Where does that happen? It happens yep. at the majors. Well, it happens at the majors now. Yeah. Right. Yep. It everybody everybody. Well, guess who's not in those majors? Taylor Gooch. He can go try to qualify for the British Open or the U.S. Open. He could try to get in those the way everybody else does. Who's not eligible? Um, and I hope he does. Um, but. That's really the, that's the current barometer. The current way of judging is, is let's look back at the majors from the last two years. Bring, you know, how did the live guys perform in those majors? Well, that, that's all we really know about how good they are. That's it. And that's what Bryson said. 
there's kind of not another way um, currently. And they get world golf ranking points when they play in a major, don't they? They do. Yep. They do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's how you get your world golf ranking points. You play in or an event the Asian that qualifies tour. for. Yep. Or go play. Go play the Asian tour. Go. Yeah. Go. You can. You can go get the points. You know. Look at what Joaquin Neiman did. That's why he got invited to the Masters. Yeah. He got invited, by the way. Right. Well. Yeah. What was the criteria Fred Ridley stated? He he didn't say any. Fred Ridley didn't comment. He didn't make any. There was no mention of the live in that invite. It was a mention of nope. how well he played previously in the Masters as the number one amateur in the world, and how well he played. Uh, he won the Australian event, and then how well he played in the other events, and that's why he got the invite. So good for that. Um, it can be done, and yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Would be nice if they could figure out a way how to rank the live players. But I think that's a very, very difficult thing to do, unfortunately. It's a small little group of 40 guys or whatever it is, 50 guys, whatever the number is. It's a small little group. They're playing 54 holes. It's not really like a golf tournament, in my opinion. I haven't been to one in person. Um, but it's, it's just it's so different, and it's a small little group like that. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to apply the the ranking system. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Good stuff as always, Caddy. We appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thank you, gentlemen. There you go. That's the Caddy right here on Real Golf Radio. Thank you for listening to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Gasper. Follow us on Twitter at Real Golf. And join us every week on the Real Golf Radio Network.